Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Ideally, that would be the best thing is to have met with some sort of an estate planning attorney. If you haven't, it goes back to getting somebody you can trust that'll be by your side during that whole thing. Another red flag I would say is anybody who tries to rush you through things, that that would be a red flag. If you're not ready to invest um, or change some things, there are some things they're going to recommend you do immediately. And that's that's one thing, but there are some things that can sit for a while. And like you said, that first year, it may not be that urgent to make sure everything is where we just need it titled correctly by that point. Thank you for stopping by my podcast, Finding God in Our Pain. Welcome. Hi, I'm your host, Sherry Pilkington. In this podcast, you'll hear firsthand stories of how the God of the Holy Bible meets real people in their real pain. We look at the good God we profess through the lens of pain and suffering. I'm processing the most painful season of my life after unexpectedly losing Larry, my husband of 32 years. In my journey, I've discovered that there are many types of deaths. Maybe you've asked God, how could you let this happen? Why me? Where are you, God? Do you even care? What am I supposed to do with my life now? Here at Finding God in Our Pain, we don't shy away from the tough questions. I ask them to my guests. I share what I've experienced. We give real examples of how God shows up in the darkest, most painful situations in life. May the stories that you hear and the advice you receive encourage you to engage the heart of God about your painful places or memories or experiences or even your unmet expectations. Lean in close to God's heart because he speaks beautiful things in the dark. My guest today, Gail Blatchera, is a certified financial planner. She's my financial planner, and I met her via a family member referral when my husband, Larry, unexpectedly passed away almost five years ago now. Please note, I have no affiliate connections with her. As a matter of fact, I don't even think financial institutes can do anything like that, but I'd let her speak to that. But in short, I get no perks for sharing her with you. So should you choose to use her or not use her? I get no benefit at all. The only thing I would ask of you, and I believe Gail would agree based on our conversation, is for you to find someone you trust and that you are comfortable with and pair those two requirements with someone who's also knowledgeable and kind, and I feel sure you'll be well looked out for. This brief conversation between Gail and I is focused exclusively on widows and finances. It's not a deep dive. As you'll hear, um, finances are very individualized and every widow's goals and needs are different. The reason that I wanted to have this conversation is because based on the statistics, women outlive men. I saw today that the average age of a widow is 59, but that statistic is not a recent one. And I think we can all agree that COVID has left behind many young widows. The chances of not being a widow, they're not in our favor. And I know what you might be thinking, that I'm being very morbid, but it's worth having this difficult conversation, talking about the topic that nobody wants to talk about, because my goal is to soften this topic so that it 
won't be so intimidating and you'll feel more comfortable taking action, making sure that you're as prepared as you possibly can be for something that I pray you never experience, but don't look the other way. I never imagined that I'd need to be thinking about it. Even when God prompted us to make us being Larry and I to make a will and a state plan, we were planning for many, many years down the road. We were talking in the context of 80 plus years old, but within six months, those plans that we put in, that we'd put together were put into action. And here are some of the questions that I asked Gail. What is the wise thing a woman should do right now to prepare her finances? What is the number one mistake women make with regard to their financial future? What are some factors that come into play when trying to take on the bulk of financial health solo? What about the woman who does not understand financial matters? Where is a simple starting point for her? Let's listen in on all that Gail has to share. But before we do, let me give Gail her official introduction, and then we'll jump into me welcoming her to the show. See the show notes if you need access to any of this information that I'm getting ready to share. Gail is a partner, CFP professional and financial advisor with financial security. Securities are offered through financial security management, a member of FINRA and SIPC. Gail can be reached at Gail, G-A-Y-L-E at G-O-F-S-G.com or 757-431-1414 or visit their website at www.gof.com sg.com. Welcome, Gail, and thank you for agreeing to stop by today and share your financial knowledge, specifically with widows. That's on my heart. You know me. Yes. yes. And so I have a heart for the widows, and you've been phenomenal to me, leading me through a very difficult season. And so I want to share you. I want to share your knowledge and uh, your wisdom with regard to finances for widows. So welcome and thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I have a real heart for widows myself. Um, Probably about half of my business is widows. And I never went after that business. It just kind of came to me, but um, I have a very special place in my heart for widows. So I'm so happy to be here and hope we can help someone. I have benefited from that. So I know what you're saying is very true. Thank you. Today, we want to talk to the widow who's stuck. She's already become a widow and she's just plain stuck. She does not want to be where she's at. Of course, none of us do, but not really sure how to handle her finances or just right. completely overwhelmed with finances. What is the one thing that she needs to do today just to okay. move her a little bit forward in her finances? Yeah, it's a, it's a hard one because not only do some widows not know what they have, they don't want to know. A lot of them just don't, if they haven't dealt with it before, they don't want to know there's a couple of different types of widows. There's widows that are really close to their children. And then there's widows that don't have anybody. Those that are really close to their children, I usually have their children get involved, even if they're the ones who start to go through information. But really finding someone who you can trust and reach out to, literally just starting the process. And starting the process could be coming in and not even bringing documents with you the first time, just getting to know that person, talking to them, asking them some questions they may be comfortable with and trying to get a relationship with them first. That's normally what I I would like to happen. What normally happens is people come in and their family members have told them, here, bring these two big bags 
of documents in, which is fine with us, but is very overwhelming for them to go through everything at one time. So starting with little chunks, I think is the best way to do it. We tend to break these meetings up. We have several meetings on purpose. So, but really just get somewhere, get to somebody and obviously somebody who you've got like a referral to, somebody who you know is going to have your best interest at heart. And that was my case too, because I wouldn't have known where to start if someone had not referred me to you. And I was going to ask you, what if for the widow who's not very close with anybody, what is she looking for as far as someone who is not trustworthy? Yeah. If they can't get a referral to somebody, I would look for somebody who's a certified financial planner. I would look for somebody who is a fiduciary. Um, And those two words are, are big places to start. But there's not much substitution for referrals for somebody you know who's worked with somebody. There's a lot of good financial planners in the area, um, but you want to make sure that that you can trust them. So if they come in not knowing somebody, then I would say just listen to their gut. If they feel like something's not going the way or if they want to, or if they're not being heard, or if somebody is talking over their head, then they don't go back. They might have to visit a couple before they find the right one. I wouldn't rush into anything with anybody unless they were very comfortable. I like that you break those meetings down into several smaller meetings because when I did come to you the first time, I felt very overwhelmed. I did not know which end was up and where to start. And so that initial meeting, I did not show up with two big bags of stuff because I had no no clue what to bring. But I would encourage anyone to go to that first meeting because that's where you find that encouragement. That's where... Um, you find some direction and clarity. Right. Or that somebody is there to help you. You know, somebody is willing to help you. And just the rapport, you'll know by the time you leave if that person is good for you or not. That's true. Because if they're personable, Mm -hmm. kind, kind, kindness goes a long way today. Kindness goes a long way. Um, You know, it's, Kindness and understanding, you've got to be kind, but knowledgeable. There's a lot of paperwork that goes along with changing accounts and um, death claim paperwork. And to have somebody who is kind is is really good, but you need kind and accurate with this paperwork because it goes back and you remember, Mm -hmm. I mean, back and forth and you're getting stuff in your mailbox and where did this come from and what is that? So somebody who also really knows what they've been doing, what they're doing. That's a good point. Back to if somebody is close with their kids, I always recommend they bring a family member with them. So I think that's a red flag. If somebody says, come by yourself, don't bring your family member, especially if they want to bring a family member. Some people don't, but if they want to, I encourage them. It's kind of like you go to the doctor and you don't really hear what the, when you leave, you go, what did they say? You know, same thing here. So that's another thing I would look for. Somebody who's okay with you bringing somebody, if that's your choice. Because you really have a hard time retaining information mm-hmm. and trying to remember what was said in a normal situation. But then right. here you are trying to make all these decisions. I've heard it said, and now I get it. Mm-hmm. Don't make any major decisions in the first year. But when it comes to your finances, how can you avoid that? Is there a way you can set yourself up prior to that? Yeah. Because the percentages indicate that mm-hmm. a woman will become a widow yes. more so than yeah. men. Correct. Correct. Um, the thing I can't stress it enough from, um, you know, I cannot give legal advice. I am not an attorney, but it seems the the widows that get to me who them and their spouse have already gotten some sort of estate plan in place. 
it makes it so much easier. So for anybody now who is married, um, just making sure you've met with a, an estate planning attorney or making sure everything is, is the way it should be. So there's no surprises if something happens financially, you know, if, if somebody, something happens. Being on this side of the experience, I do tell people that that estate planning and the will and having all of those things in place does help you simply grieve and not have to make any major decisions. That is the hugest tool, um, buffer Mm -hmm. from that helped me. I had to sign a few papers show up at the, um, city office one time with my lawyer, uh, my estate planning lawyer. And that was all I had to do. And then the rest of the time I could just grieve. I would think you don't want to be putting all this extra paperwork on people um, at such a, a horrible time, you know, in their life where they're very tender and it's very hard for everything. And then, hey, can you meet with this person and let's fill out, you know, an hour's worth of paperwork? So ideally, that would be the best thing is to have met with some sort of an estate planning attorney. If you haven't, it goes back to getting somebody you can trust that'll be by your side during that whole thing. Another red flag I would say is anybody who tries to rush you through things, that that would be a red flag. If you're not ready to invest um, or change some things, there are some things they're going to recommend you do immediately. And that's, that's one thing, but there are some things that can sit for a while. And like you said, that first year it may not be that urgent to make sure everything is where we just need it titled correctly by that point. What's the number one mistake that women make with regard to their financial future? Mm-hmm. There's, there's kind of goes two ways. Um, I see women who are so scared to spend money because they're scared they'll run out of it, that they literally live like paupers. Like they're not spending anything. They're not happy and they're scared to spend anything. They won't go out to lunch with a friend and split a sandwich. Like literally they won't do anything. And then I see the women going, oh, I can go to Europe. I can go a couple of times. There's about three trips coming up. I've always wanted to do that. And then they go all the other way. So having somebody to help you say, here's a good middle ground. You know, only God knows the future. We don't know the future, but based on things that have happened in the past and, and things we can look to in the future, we're just looking at, here's a good amount that hopefully if you don't go over, you don't have to go under, then maybe they can go out with their friends. They can go to the movies. Maybe they do go to Europe once, you know, or, or things like that instead of just going out. So the biggest thing that that's my biggest thing is they're either too scared to spend money or they spend way too much money. I think I can teeter between both of those. <laughs> I think we one are. minute <laughs> hanging on to every dollar and the next minute, whoop, went over too much. Yes. Yes. Talking about when widows come in, following up, building trust. Like I said, if they have a family member building trust with them, it gets to the point with some of my widows that literally if they have a financial question and they ask their kids, they say, I don't know, call Gail. And they get to the point, they just call me, Um, but it's taken time for that. Mm -hmm. But it's important for them to have somebody that they can just call because their spouse isn't there. And that's the person they used to, you know, bounce all of this stuff off with. And so I see that a lot is that, um, and I truly think God gave me a heart for widows. Like this is like, I, there's nothing I did. There's nothing, anything. I just want to take care of them. They're all my little chickens and I want them all good and where they're going. And I don't want anyone to take advantage of them. That's the other thing. When it comes to trying to figure out our financial health, Mm -hmm. 
what's the first thing we need to look at mm-hmm. in order to get a fair understanding of where we are? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, a question we get a lot. Um, it's a little different. I think uh, the answer I have is a little different than others. I have people actually look and make sure they're protected first. So I will, the first thing I'll ask somebody is, can we take a look at your auto insurance? Do we need to get your um, property and casualty agent on the phone with you? Is it high enough? If you get in an accident and it's your fault and somebody in the other car is seriously injured and they sue you, how much are you going to be responsible for that as your net worth covered? So we'll do things like that. We're not property and casualty agents here. We don't do that. Um, but we'll we'll want to look and see. We'll look, okay, now that you're, what, how is your estate plan? Like, are there any changes we need to make there? Um, we'll look at their life insurance. So we somewhat go a little backwards and say, let's make sure you're protected first. Basically, because if, it's, if the whole process scares them away, I want to make sure they're protected, right? Um, and then from there, it just kind of builds. We'll look at, do you have a savings account? How much is in there? Is there too much? Is there too little? What's your comfort zone with investing? Do you have a midterm fund? Do you have retirement? How's your house? Do you have a mortgage? Do you want to pay it off? Do you not want to pay it off? Does your house need improvements? You know, do you think you'll stay there long term, which most people have no clue? But really to make sure that as soon as people get here, the first thing we try and do is make sure they're protected and um, and that they're not making decisions that are going to hurt them down the road. Because also some people, when they're grieving, spending money is what helps them feel better. So I'm going to mm-hmm. redo the inside of my house. Well, then a year later, they sell it and maybe don't get that money back. So we want to give them a balance, really, of what to do. I remember you did those things for me. And I know it sounds like a lot as she's listing those things off, but she sorts through them very gently, very um, purposefully and focused. So it doesn't come all at you, you know, in one visit where she's talking about all that stuff. And I know you had me add an umbrella to my um, insurance coverage. Yes. In your case, that made sense. So yeah. And so then you'll just call your property and casualty agent, run it by them, and then you get that policy. And that way, hopefully, again, we're never protected for everything. We don't know what's happening, but just to make sure that things that you used to not maybe be the one that took care of that now you're able to make sure they're done correctly. And those are things you're probably not thinking of. A minute ago, you spoke to this, but I wanted to see if there was any more um, that we could decipher or pull out. What are some factors that come into play when we're trying to take on the bulk of our financial health, for instance, and our attitude about money? A minute ago, you said there's the underspender and then there's the overspender. But do we have blind spots about our spending habits and how do they undermine us? Yeah, I think a lot of people have blind spots. Um, I think some of it is grieving. Some of it is um, I've had people do that. I deserve to spend all this money because this shouldn't have happened to me. And then I've had people say, I don't want to touch this money because I feel like it's blood money. Like, I don't want to touch it. It's um, this money from the life insurance. I don't want it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's an attitude um, that can kind of come underneath the um, the guise of when, when you get money. Is that what you're asking? Yeah, just to see what sort of hurdles yeah. are we up against when we're trying to get the better, the upper hand on our finances. I'll tell you the biggest hurdle I see a lot of people is too many opinions. 
Uh But, you know, you have to be, again, you got to pick a couple people that you trust and stick to them because most people, and they're going to have your best interest at heart. Most of them, people aren't trying to be mean or underhanded, but they, they know what they think is best for you. So if you're getting opinions from all kinds of people, all you do is end up sitting at home kind of paralyzed into this fear of, I don't know what the, the, what the right decision is. Man, that paralysis can be real because then you don't even want to look at anything or handle it or take the responsibility that you need. Yeah. So lots of opinions. Um, and sometimes, um, you know, children, family members, I think they can be helpful, but also, you know, if you've got a, a child who's 30 and they've been doing their own investments very aggressively, and then yours might not need to be that aggressive. It probably doesn't need to be that aggressive. And then they come in, um, you've got, you've got just opinions there of, of different people. And that's sometimes I've seen be a hurdle for, for women. I agree. That can definitely be an overwhelming aspect on -hmm. top of the overwhelm you're already facing. I was going to ask you, and I'm not sure whether the examples you've already given me are still the same. Or is that more of an attitude of grief related versus personalities with money? How do women react to money? Mm -hmm. Is that even an issue that needs to be taken into consideration to kind of understand why you might be responding? It's a bigger issue than people think. And not to say women don't know how to handle their own money. There are plenty of women who do very well handling their own money. But even some of my smartest, brightest women who handle their own money, there's still something that I see in them when they become a widow suddenly that that takes them back. Some people can do it. So please, I don't want anybody to think I'm not saying, oh, women always need help. But there are a lot of women who either didn't do the finances or they just don't want to now that they're on their own. They just don't want to. It's it's a whole different ball game. And I haven't been in that situation personally, but I see people in it all the time for years and years and years. And so people who may have been the bill payer and, you know, been the ones doing all the investing, they'll still come in and be like, I don't want to do it anymore. I've had people say to me, I don't even know what I want it for anymore. Like, why do I even want this? And um, so then you just have to be careful with each one. And they're all unique. You cannot have a cookie cutter plan for um, all the, when, when people are widows, it's different. Every single one that walks in here is different. And I think that may also speak to the fact that even grief looks different on everyone. I'm sure. It doesn't always look the same. We don't always respond the same way. So that sounds more like a true statement in the sense of a uniqueness, uniqueness yes. to who you are yes. and how, how you're going to process you. that. Yes. Almost like the doctor. What is that saying where you don't want to be your own doctor, even though you're a doctor? Correct. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Because you can have a clouded vision, and especially mm-hmm. when the emotion and the grief is just mm-hmm. off the charts mm-hmm. where you haven't found your peaceful place yet. But I do see God bring peace to a lot of these women and they're able to make it here, at least like for their appointments and go back. And I'm not saying that they're not grieving heavily at home, but there is some peace that comes into them when they come here um, that I'll see. And so that's nice to know that um, that God is is with them when they walk in, when they walk out. We're trying to make sure they're being good stewards of their money. And that's usually a lot of 
the requests I get is how do I make sure I still do as well with this money as I did before? That is one of the things that you were willing to pray with me. You were willing to talk about God when I wanted to talk about God. And so that was not separated from our conversations about money. And for me, that was very comforting. I enjoyed that. I believe it's a big part of obviously everyday life, but especially in that situation. For the woman who does not understand financial matters, maybe she has not been, um, I won't say allowed, but I know that even in my marriage, I was the one who did all the finances and my Mm -hmm. husband could have cared less. Mm -hmm. So if I had passed, he would have been lost. So in that situation where there's the the, the husband who took on the bulk of that, Mm -hmm. what's the advice for a simple starting point mm-hmm. to start that process of education? Is it that yeah. visit to your office or is there anything else they can do? Because does it take money to visit um, a financial planner's office? Every planner is different. So you would want to call first. We don't charge, we, we don't have a consultation fee. So everybody who comes in the first time, there's no fee. So that's where they can get to meet us and things like that. But um I would say one of the best things somebody can do once they hire somebody or once they're working with someone, we usually take the last couple months of their bank statement or their credit card statement, whatever they're using to pay their bills um, all the time. And we go through and do a cash flow statement. Usually it's not exact because either some of it is from when they were married or it's right afterwards where the spending isn't exactly the same as it will be, but it does give us all their bills, all their regular, their utility bills, their cable bills, you know, their streaming bills, all of that, their mortgage, where we can start to organize it. And so for people who really just have no idea, then they can go look for the mortgage statement, look for this statement, you know, we kind of go backwards with them. And I've had it all the way to where I've had to show people how to write a check before to people who really have done it all and they just don't want to anymore. So that's uh, the education piece is to come in and start looking Mm -hmm. at what they have to get just a tip of the iceberg understanding. Yes. At what point or is there any point when in the financial planning, is it a good time to consider their life values, like maybe rating them such as adventure or health, security, Mm -hmm. pleasure, which brings me to this thought. Don't women see money as a security issue for them? The majority that I see stereotypically, yes, yes, absolutely. Um, And again, this is not a blanket statement, but most of the ones that come find me, want to make sure they're okay. I get this over and over again. I just want to be able to sleep at night and not worry that I'm not going to have a house. I don't care if somebody has millions or or not much at all. They all have the same goal. Please, will I have my house? That's something I see over and over again when I come in here. But if somebody works with someone like us, uh, we're responsible for getting all kinds of information from them up front. And that includes one of the questions is, what are your goals? What do you want to do with your life? Is there anyone financially dependent on you besides you now? Any big expenses that you know of coming up? Like we try and get all of that. Do you have any hobbies you haven't told me about? It's a lot of questions in the beginning, but it helps us help them build their plan. So we ask all of that really on the first day, we have an actual meeting for finance. We're going to, we're going to ask all of those questions. We also offer here, and we don't charge for them or anything, but we offer seminars. We offer Zoom seminars 
And we don't haven't had any in person since COVID. We're doing everything on Zoom for the seminars, but they're really basic money. What's a stock? What's a bond? What can money do for you in the long term? So we offer those. And I do have a lot of widows that will attend those. And um, sometimes they'll bring a friend. It was much more fun when they could come in, but mm -hmm. we still have fun on Zoom. But we'll do that for our existing clients as well as new clients. And it, it's just really a basic understanding of finance and, and there's no fee for it. It's just to try and help people learn that don't, don't know. There's so much to know that it's yes. nice to have someone like yourself who will guide you through, do what's required, but not overwhelm you so that we can be a, a good steward. When we think about the woman who has not become a widow yet, yes. what would you suggest to her with regard to, I know you said, get the, the estate and the the, mm -hmm. the will in place. But do you think that it's important to also have the funeral and the memorial services folded into that financial plan? I think that's a very personal question. I tell people I have clients who are very happy that that's done and it was done. And then I have clients who just don't want to think about it. They're like, absolutely not. It stresses them out more to think about it. And I might ask you that question, like, how would you have felt like I kind of, I would think it would be nicer to know what was all done, but not, I don't see everybody saying that. So I don't know. What do you think about that? For me, we did not get the funeral arrangements done mm -hmm. mainly because we had just been to the estate lawyer. I finally talked him into yeah. getting the estate and everything done in June or July of 2017. Yeah. And he passes in February of 2018. So yeah. it was really just this brief window where we yeah. finally had everything in one place, if you will, right, on the right. estate. Because Larry and I both, we, he was the youngest of eight. Uh, I was the middle of three. Yeah. We didn't have anything when we started out, but we right. had acquired these assets and these and things and started the business. And so I kept telling him, we really need to have this put together in one place. And yes. he finally agreed to that. And I could go into a long story about that, about my youngest uh, daughter-in-law. She became my daughter-in-law uh, working in a lawyer's office, which she yes. had primarily wanted child law. Then she gets out of college, can't find a job in the child lawyer office, but yes, she finds one in a state plan. Yeah. Well, who's next door, but you, right? Right. Right. <laughs> so God laid all this yeah. stuff out. And I got to know her very well, just from the hallway. I loved her and I would have to call for things over there and she would answer. And she just was one of my favorites, you know, obviously you're you, you know, you're biased, but I'm biased too. She was just <laughs> the sweetest little thing. So she, she and I got to know each other. Yeah. And she is still the sweetest thing. She loved Larry and Larry loved her like she was his daughter. And so when she began talking about estate planning, you know, he, of course, you have to know my husband was just always joking about something. And she said, Larry, you really need to get an estate plan done. And he's like, yeah. don't worry about it, Mary. If anything happens to Sherry and I, the kids are going to Melissa, who is my sister. <laughs> now, granted, the kids are adults at this point, right, but right. that was his way of avoiding having to do it. Well, finally, he softens toward her and goes and has it done only a few yeah. months before he passes. So again, that's a, in my opinion, a God thing yes, that uh, he would arrange that, that God would uh, soften yeah. Larry's heart uh -huh. using my daughter-in-law to be in order to get that done, because it was truly a gift. And I say that to anyone who will listen, it's a gift you give your spouse in order when you get that estate stuff done. Um, your spouse, your children, True. everybody, you really are given that gift to everyone. Um, 
it's invaluable. It really is. Nobody wants to talk about it. I'll send people over to talk to estate attorneys quite often. Um, and then my parents uh, had their uh, estate plan, their trust redone not too long ago. And my dad gave me a copy. He said, here, read through it and let me know if there's any changes. And I got to page two and I was like, I can't read it. It's just whatever you put is fine. So when it's your own self, it's a lot different than talking to a client. Um, you, know, you can still have empathy, but there's there's something different there when it's when it's you. But there's some really smart, good women. They're, women make very good investors. There's so many professional women nowadays, everything out there. And so, like I said, it's not that a lot of these women can't do it. A lot of them don't want to do it, don't have time to do it. And some mm -hmm. of them have never done it. So you want to help them. But there's all kinds of, of women. But I will tell you, there's a lot more, would you know, young widows in this area then we would think, I don't know, we we're talking, I don't know the statistics, but I know the amount of phone calls I get. Right. And it's a lot. And it, it's um, very scary and sad. Well, COVID certainly took a lot of people by surprise as far as yeah. widows my age and even a little younger. Yes. So that's been shocking to see just this wave mm -hmm. of widows come mm -hmm. through mm -hmm. primarily because of, uh, I don't know about primarily, but the COVID uh, yes. influence, if you will. There's some ugly stories these poor ladies have gone through um, that I always feel like if I could just take one thing off of them, if I can at least take the finance piece off of them. I can help them with that. I can't help them with the other part, but I can help them with that. And just for an overview, as far as what does a financial planner do for a widow? How can you help a widow? They're all different. So I'll just speak to what we do here. But what we do here really is try and make sure they're organized, their finances are organized, that they're protected as much as they can be with the certain insurances they need, and that their investments um, match their goals and objectives. And we find out what they want long-term and try and make sure it can keep them for their life. And if not, we also, sometimes there's ugly conversations you have to have if there's not enough money there that, hey, if you really want to keep living this way, you have to go to work or you have to go back to work or continue, um, continue to work. And people think that if somebody passes that um, sometimes I'll hear, oh, that's fine. I'll just keep working. Some people can't keep working. I've seen widows come in who were strong working women who have to take a year off. They can't work. So we just want to make sure everything's organized, protected, invested correctly. And like I said, if their family wants to be involved, we're fine with that. Um, but th that's the majority of what we do is those three things. And that's been a huge help. There's, I was trying to describe it even a little bit more deeper as to what an asset that's been to me to have you walk me through that and to take care of those things for me. And I don't think I can adequately express that unless you're in the midst of it like I was. And then I have the opportunity to work with you. So that's huge in finding somebody, a financial planner who yes. you trust. Yes, thank you. And we try hard. And again, like I said, I truly believe God has put widows on my heart. Yeah, I used to take it all home with me. And I had to start kind of saying, okay, you um, pray for them. I'll empathize with them. But it, it was sad. You know, it's sad sometimes what you see in here. So that's where I've tried to shift it to let me help them financially the best I can. I can only imagine what it's like to sit across the table from a widow for her to find out things are not as they were supposed to be or as she had believed they were. 
Yeah, and we've had a couple of those and some very, very bad ones. Um, that That's really hard. And some where brothers or sisters will come out of the woodwork that you didn't know. Like, yeah. it's, well, it's my husband. Well, he and I had a deal on the side, you know, and that deal is not anywhere written. But I would say the majority of the people I see, um, you see a really good side of them. A little easier on your heart. Yes, yes. What is something that I have not asked you about that a widow needs to know? Once they're a widow already, I would say if we're talking financially speaking only, if I could make sure that they don't, don't bury everything, like, Hey, let me come look at your finances. Some people just don't want to deal with it. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I think everybody grieves differently. Um, But for the widows who can come in and actually, even like I said, if they have to have a friend, a family member with them to bring their stuff in just so we can make sure they're protected and organized, I think that's the best thing they could do financially speaking. But grieving is a whole different side. And and sometimes that might just not be able to be done. Everything's intertwined. And yet you still need time mm-hmm. to wrap your head around that. I may be speaking out of mm-hmm. out of a lack of knowledge, but it seems like even the widow who knew it was coming as far as a cancer diagnosis and mm-hmm. thinking that it was going to get better and then it does not, I don't even think you get a chance to grieve until they pass. I've seen that exact thing with my clients. Most of them have been so busy taking care of their spouse that they um, they didn't have a chance to grieve before. So what is your advice to women, married women in general, because our conversation is focused on the widows and since any woman, any married woman could potentially become a widow? I think we have to lean on the estate plan. Talk to your spouse, talk to your family, um, but but don't ignore life insurance in an estate plan because they're uncomfortable to talk about. And and also with the life insurance for the married woman, I've had people say, well, they don't need that much life insurance. It, it takes a lot of money to keep living the way you were living, especially if um, that person happens to not be working. But don't shy away from those conversations, life insurance and estate planning. You know, thank God your daughter-in-law was able to, to stay on Larry and be able to get that done to make it not the grieving side, but the financial side so much easier than it would have been without that. And so um, life insurance and estate plan, don't shy away from those conversations. Make sure you're protected and make sure, you know, you've got insurance on you. So your spouse is protected as well. Being a widow, I would agree with that 110%. Yeah. Yeah. I tell people um, there's never enough life insurance when somebody passes. So people come in and they'll look at me and I say, it's not greed. I've not ever had somebody come in and say, oh my gosh, I got left too much money. But I've had people come in going, oh my gosh, I don't think it's enough. And that's a scary conversation. And the majority of the people I see anyway, um, they're not looking to be rich over it. They're looking to be able to live their life comfortably. And again, that whole, I get all the time, will I always have a home? Will I always have a home? That's their big thing. I remember when the life insurance policy came through and I was thinking, is that going to be enough? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like pennies. 
It wasn't that. extravagant. One of the things I do remember, you'll just get a laugh out of this, but when we were sitting down talking about Larry's life insurance policy, because he was going to start a business on his own. Yeah. And so his, his friend came in that sold life insurance policies. And we were talking about a $5 million policy. And he, the guy's name was O'Neill. He said, well, good gosh, O'Neill, I'm not trying to set her up with her next husband. I'm well, just trying it. to make sure her and the kids can stay in the house. <laughs> that's what they all say. I didn't know if I should say that. That's what everybody says. Well, I'm not trying to get her new spouse rich, like joking. <laughs> and a lot of the widows don't remarry that I see, or they do after quite a while. Most of them are not flipping the next year and be like, okay, I'm with somebody. Not that there would be anything wrong doing that if they wanted to, but most of them take years to do something, if anything. And, and thank God he did leave you in good, good shape with the insurance and the house and the business. He did good. Any parting words that if they don't remember anything we said, except one thing, mm -hmm. what is that one thing? The women who are already widows, if you haven't addressed your finances, you need to, you need to. And, and hopefully either myself or somebody else out there can hold your hand through it. But but don't let that money just sit there and um, and not do what it's supposed to do, whatever that looks like for that person. And then one quick question that made me think of that while you were answering. You're local to me, mm -hmm. but can anyone work with you? What does that look like for somebody yeah. from another state to work with you? Yeah, I'm licensed in most states. If they call in or came in here, we would definitely make sure we were licensed there. And um, if we were not, I would let them know. But I'm licensed in almost all of them. But we would find that out right away and let them know if we couldn't. And then let them know maybe some ideas of things they could look for in their area. And then Zoom talk, Zoom conversations, as far as walking that widow through the next yep. step. We do everything via Zoom if they're not local. And um, and even if they are local, I still have clients who don't want to come in. They just want to Zoom. That's fine as well, too. Um, so we do a lot through Zoom if we need to. And then you also have a link where it is private. When people send you oh, their personal a, information. We a, yeah, we have a secure portal secure portal. Mm -hmm. So that's helpful too, to know that your stuff is not just out there and that anybody could snatch it from the, the right. cyber world. Whenever if we decided we're working with somebody or we're going to at least start with them. And if they want to see what we have, we'll send them a link to our portal and then they can upload everything to that. Then I have some people who still mail stuff in and some people who come in, it really is individualized to them. Gail, you're always a huge help and You're a so sweet. wealth of information. So thank you for your time today. Well, thank you. I think this is wonderful what you're doing. I'm so excited I got to be on here. Well, I'm looking forward to your radio show. Yeah, it's coming. I'm telling you, it's coming. Okay, awesome. All right, friend, you take it easy. All right, Sherry, thanks so much. I hope this was helpful. It's very helpful. Thank you for your time and for sharing this experience with my guest. I hope you have found encouragement for today and a deeper revelation of God's heart in the midst of pain and suffering. We'd love to have you as a subscriber to Finding God in Our Pain so that you can be connected with all my guests as they share their personal experiences and professional knowledge about pain and suffering. And because this podcast is a division of the website, A Life of Thrive, for more information and the various ways you can connect with us, please visit the website, alifeofthrive.com. I look forward to sharing more transparent stories from the hearts of women who intimately know what it means to have their world flipped upside down, their authentic struggle to make sense of it, and what recovery and healing looks like. Till then, sweet woman, remember you are not alone and that God speaks the most beautiful things in the dark.